Hey, I'm Asher. And I'm Jackson. And what you're about to listen to is strictly confidential. Well, I'm irritable, Jackson. Yeah? I'm irritable today. Listen to this. Yeah, That's English breakfast tea. Yeah? Not coffee. Don't talk to me till I've had my coffee, so the podcast is canceled until October. Uh, I quit coffee for a month, and I think it's just that I want to feel like I'm not dependent upon something. I quit coffee for a month every single year. This is my third year to do it. First year, I quit caffeine altogether, but um, now I have a job that requires I have at least somewhat functioning like neurons in my brain. So I can't quit caffeine, but... The substitutes are really enough punishment that I feel like this this counts as a, an exercise in discipline. So to, to um, head the caffeine headaches off at the pass, I'll have a tea in the morning because it's nice and it's warm and it has a little bit of caffeine, but I'll feel a, uh, my caffeine headache coming in. And first year when I just quit caffeine cold turkey, I just poured myself a bowl of ibuprofen every morning. But uh, it's not so great for your tummy, so I've been, I've been just slurped, slurped that up. <laughs> yeah, you, well, you got to eat them quick because they dissolve fast, especially in that milk. You got to drink the milk too. Yeah, not and unlike Lucky Charms, not the best part. But I've been cutting Red Bull with water, so I'll have I'll get a Red Bull, make a shot, basically like one third of a sugar-free Red Bull. Make it into like a, a, a caffeine shot, then I'll fill up with water and ice and drink that. Um, just to make sure that I'm not enjoying it, you know? Like, because I don't want to just replace ca- uh, coffee with energy drinks, because that's worse. Yeah. So to make sure that it's as vile as possible, I get sugar-free Red Bull and then dilute it, and it's disgusting, but it keeps the headaches away. Yeah, that does sound disgusting. You know that I used to be a hardcore energy drink head. Like the first, I don't know, I gave up coffee for a couple months, probably the first, I don't know, 252 months of my life. But, <laughs> yeah. uh, but the reason I decided I wanted to do coffee was because when I, and you remember, you probably remember this pretty clearly, but I was a Baylor art student who needed caffeine, but was trying to get away from energy drinks because when I worked in downtown Austin, I had an insane amount of Red Bulls, like probably more than most humans alive have had. And I decided I would quit that and out of nowhere started having these awful caffeine headaches. And so that was the point when I... Oh man, where did those come from? (laughs) Weird. And so that was... I didn't... I had never had a caffeine headache. So I was like, why am I having a headache every day? And also, why am I exhausted? Yeah. (laughs) And so what I decided was... And my whole family loves coffee, but I didn't like coffee. And so I would, what I decided was, I'm just going to start liking coffee. Yeah, I've never seen anyone who has just willed themselves <laughs> into a new addiction before. It was wild. You were just like, I am going to enjoy this. And I was like, I know that people in the coffee cult will make fun of me if I drink it with cream. So you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to force myself to chug this black liquid every day hell yeah just now, just stockholm syndrome your way into the coffee culture and now i'm drinking cold brew nitro coffee from a can he's in we got him and it's actually very tasty so i'm sorry for sorry for trying to 
get you away from your uh, coffee hiatus, but... Yeah, well, you look to all the worst examples. You're like, well, my friends are terrible, raging alcoholics. I should give beer a try. Because all of your friends, everyone in the art building is, is drinking coffee like it's the only thing sustaining their mental well-being. And you're like, yeah, I want to get in on this. I, I do want to know, are you really that worried about becoming fully dependent on coffee? Like, what are the downsides of that? It's just my own thing. Like, real talk, I don't like the idea of being chemically dependent on anything. But coffee is so good in more ways than just the caffeine, right? Like, I love making coffee. I love the taste of coffee. I love the smell of coffee. I love the culture around it, going to coffee shops, the whole deal. So it's an important part of my life, but that's why I quit for a month every year. Is so it's, it's, it's essentially Lent, right? It gives me the ability to reappreciate the things that I have. Yeah, I guess. I just, now that I've started drinking coffee, there's not another real caffeine beverage that I could indulge every day. Like, I understand I could try and get into something like tea. Like, there are certain teas that I really like, but only if I get them from, like, a coffee shop. Like, I like a good matcha or a good chai. But with coffee, like, bad coffee I still really like. Yeah, but you came from energy drinks, which is basically just caffeinated Drano. So you have a completely different perspective where you're coming down to meet coffee, right? So coffee is the much better, healthier alternative. Where me, I, it's, it, I'm starting at water and then moving up to that sweet black gold. That's fair. That's fair. I think, honestly, if you put Drano in a glass and then put Red Bull in a glass next to it, I wouldn't be able to tell you which one is which. <laughs> and Until I picked one up and one was viscous and one was... <laughs> right. Well, you ready to dive into today's theory? Speaking of, uh, I guess, uh, food... Sure, this tea will not sustain me long, so let's go while I have this little boost. Okay, so what we're talking about today is Outback Steakhouse, the Illuminati. All right! And so, um, I don't believe we've actually done an Illuminati theory so far. We've talked quite a bit about them as an organization, but I don't know how much we've actually talked huh. about things involving them, right? I guess that's, uh, I guess that's true. Yeah, we've kind of talked around the Illuminati this whole time. And we've had... So we have a running list of different um, theories that we've gone through and different topics that we've kind of picked from. And there are a decent amount of them that are Illuminati, but we haven't actually dove into it yet. And so what I wanted to start off with is just a little bit of the Wikipedia description of the Illuminati. And so uh, the Illuminati, as the Enlightened Ones, was a secret society um, a woman named Olivia Ann Perez, who was a philosopher and a lawyer, started the society in 1776. Originally, they opposed superstition, prejudice, religious influence over public life, and abuses of state power. They were originally basically a women's rights organization that was pretty anti, uh, not anti-government, but anti, they were trying to demystify the government, which is hilarious to me. Yeah. Have we not, I didn't know that. Have we not done this before? I guess not. No. I, it's, this feels like I skipped a prerequisite class. Because this is some yeah. basic stuff that I didn't know. <laughs> yeah, and what's crazy is I didn't even go to Wikipedia. I went to Wikipedia 
And then I, at the beginning where it says English, I typed in simple.wikipedia.org. And so it gives you just like a, a small paragraph. This is the most basic Illuminati knowledge. To throw you back into the mix a little bit, the Illuminati that we have today isn't the same Illuminati as before. Kind of like the how the political, the bipartisan political parties switch sides. Sure. So the Illuminati now is much less of an official organization, quote unquote. Nobody knows exactly what they do, but they are not the same kind of organization that is trying to demystify. Right. Which is which makes sense, and I'm sure is what people are much more comfortable with. Now, to be fair to Outback Steakhouse, I figured we should also do a little bit of a Wikipedia dive for them as well. Okay. <laughs> Outback Steakhouse is an American restaurant chain. The chain has an Australian theme and casual dining restaurants. It opened in February of 19... 19- 88 in Tampa, Florida, and almost a thousand restaurants are open worldwide as of mid uh, 2012. So is Outback offensive? What do you mean? If you're Australian, do you do you do you see people saying like, "Oh, crikey, blooming onion," and is that offensive? I don't think it can be because there are five Outback steakhouses in Australia. Oh, okay. If people make fun of me from Texas and say, oh, do you ride a horse to work? I'm not actually offended by it. You know what I mean? That's a good point. It's just the perpetuation of ignorance because we think that the chief export of Australia is blooming onions. No, I think the chief export of Australia is kangaroo jokes. (laughs) Without a doubt. For a long time, I didn't realize Australia was anything other than the only place where marsupials actually live. Yes. I just thought it was kind of like how... Oh, yeah, we've got two big islands on this planet. One of them is Jurassic Park, and the dinosaurs live there. And the other one is Australia, and the marsupials live there. The only real misinformation about Australia is the idea that kangaroos are cute and not massive and terrifying. (laughs) Yeah. Okay, so the theory. Let's dive in a little bit. All of this uh, started, and we're getting most of this information from a New York Post article titled, Is Outback Steakhouse the Illuminati? Twitter investigates. Just the Illuminati. Okay, so not, this is where I'm getting hung up immediately. Sorry to interrupt already, but we're going to dive into the idea that Outback Steakhouse isn't just associated with, it is the Illuminati. Yes. It, um, so I want to clarify and say that I don't think the New York Post is the best publication, especially after, um, I mean, just recently they've been they've had gotten a lot of slack, and I don't think they've done the best with it. The theory is yes, that is Outback Steakhouse the Illuminati, not not the way the that Pepsi is associated with the Mormon Church, right? It's is Outback Steakhouse straight up Illuminati run. Well, New York Post is a boring name for a publisher, so it's got to be true. Okay, um, and it's a. It's a big website. It's not like what we're looking at with our typical, uh, hey, this is entirely just a couple HTML lines, and then... You won't believe the size of this website. I can barely fit it on my computer monitor. (laughs) You don't know what New York Post is capable of. Okay. Um, So all of this started when somebody with the the Twitter username EatMyAesthetics posted... (laughs) And you should click on that link. Posted several illustrated maps of Outback Steakhouse locations, with the first four images being in New York City, Tempe, Arizona, Indianapolis, and Roswell, New Mexico. And what's so interesting about these maps is that if you drew lines between each of those locations, and 
Eat My Aesthetics did this. The shape was a star in all four examples. Something the Illuminati... <laughs> Holy crap, you get a pentagram. The Illuminati's been famous for using this, yeah. Uh, several other people pointed out and replied to this tweet saying it was consistent with other Outback Steakhouse locations. And the Outback Steakhouse official Twitter even tweeted an image of a map with an order of blooming onions on it. Also, quick question. I don't know if I've ever been to an Outback Steakhouse. Do they sell anything other than blooming onions? I don't think so. That's a good question. Have you been to an Outback Steakhouse? Yeah, they well, if you just show up to an Outback Steakhouse, they give you your seat, they bring out the blooming onion, you say, "Can I have uh can I get a drink?" and they give you a straw and you just plop it right there in the middle of that uh that dipping sauce. Okay, so that's kind of what I thought because I don't I just I understand when companies try and capitalize on their most popular product, but you would think a steakhouse would probably Yeah, well, I asked them if I could get a burger and they just gave me a Whataburger coupon. <laughs> They said, we'll be here when you come back. And so, yeah, they posted, um, and I don't know if you clicked on this link, but they posted a response to Eat My Aesthetics tweet, and it's just a, a screenshot of Google Maps over a decent amount of Outback Steakhouse locations with a picture of a blooming onion on it and the caption, plot twist. Hmm. And so one thing that's really important to note here is that while Outback is very active in the conversation, they do what so many poor souls do in our business. And they never specifically gave any reason for the star-shaped maps or denied Illuminati claims. <laughs> <laughs> yep. What, you got to be direct. What they said was that they had no plans other than to bring bold steaks, so I guess they do sell something other, and blooming onions to our guests. Uh, one thing that's uh, just a small, minute, semantic thing that's hilarious about their pr press release about that is that bold steaks... Not capitalized at all. Okay. Blooming Onions, completely capitalized. <laughs> so Blooming Onion is a code for something. No, I just thought it was interesting. Oh. Since this, since this is kind of our intro episode to the Illuminati, though, I thought it would be good to try and talk about a little bit of why they're connected to all these different uh, symbols and stuff. You know what I mean? Yeah, because I see a pentagram and I think more like Satanism or heavy metal. So what I was talking about earlier, I, um, so I found an article titled er, from Vice that was titled Illuminati Art Inside the Aesthetics of a Modern Conspiracy. And I realized it might be important for us to learn a little bit more about why people connect that kind of pentagram imagery to them immediately. Like I would think before I... Generally, I was in the same boat as you, where I would think, oh, no, Outback Steakhouse isn't with the Illuminati. They're a satanic organization. Yeah. Because, because of the pentagram. But it turns out that most of the connection that has to do with the occult symbols like the pentagram um, has to do with the historical order I told you earlier was established as kind of an anti-secret society society. Well, they were really they... fucked up on that goal, huh? Where they were originally very trying to demystify everything, but they were specifically focused on demystifying the government and specifically the rule of the church. Hmm. And so I think the reason they're connected, at least partially with satanic imagery and stuff, is because at the beginning of probably every culture, but specifically American culture, Christianity was a big 
big part. Like the church and the state had a lot of struggle in getting separate. You know what I mean? Right. And so I think that in their efforts to demystify the church, the church successfully mystified them as an almost satanic organization. Oh, it was a counter. It was this was basically the church coming back, and this is them. Uh, this is their uh, mudslinging campaign. Yeah, this is basically propaganda saying. I think I think now the Illuminati is a very different organization, so you can't claim that they are the like pro women's organization that they were, pro women's anti government organization that they were. But I think that back then that's why they got that credit and people probably picked that up and formed the Illuminati as they have it today. But one thing that I I've thought was so interesting is the the reason they're so connected with pop culture is the generic like generic vagueness they carry with their symbolism. It's like part of the reason that Bigfoot is a much more popular cryptid than Alti or uh, Mothman. Huh. Is because Alti and Mothman are specifically like focused on one area, right? Right. People hear about Bigfoot because he's like, oh, he's all over the northwest of America. He's he could be anywhere. I see. Um, a, so the Illuminati ha- to- uses this symbology that's already present all over the place. People are already familiar with the pentagram and already scared of it. So if you say, well, that is associated with this group, then word of that group is going to spread quickly. Their two biggest kind of like accent pieces are the pyramid, which is essentially just a triangle, <laughs> and the pentagram which is essentially just a star right and so so any organization that has anything to do with those is connected like the fact like i mean you remember last year when taco bell was doing illuminati commercials that's right like at this point it's so associated with the illuminati that you could also almost type in any celebrity's name and then illuminati and figure out ways they're connected like Jay Z is connected exclusively because on a couple of his album covers there are triangles. Hmm. And so that's why that's a big reason why they're connected is that they're the easy target for this. They're the easy target, if, and they own the brand of basic shapes. And I can't think of any other brand that is very much like that, where they just are like, "Oh, hey, uh, here's a here's a circle. We own the circle now." <laughs> yeah, exactly. Want- if you if your company wants to use a circle logo, better pay up to to us. But yeah, so uh, back to Outback Steakhouse. This would have probably been uh, when I first found this theory. I thought, okay, this is probably going to be a completely nonsense, probably debunked town level story. Um, if there weren't any other levels to it than just that the they were in stars, you know what I mean? Right. There would need to be something else that was per- really peculiar about the uh, Blooming Onion House. What's interesting is their history. Back in Tampa in 1998, the restaurant was founded by four people, one of whom was named, I don't know if whom is the right word there, but it's the only English thing that I don't fully get. One of whom was named Trudy Cooper, which is the same name as the wife of former astronaut Gary Cooper, a man infamous for claiming UFO sightings. Okay. And what's interesting here is actually not the guy claiming UFO sightings. Um, but is the lifetime and timeline of Trudy Cooper's life. 
She supposedly died in 1994, and while the two women could have just two women, women's two women could have just con- coincidentally had the same name, their maiden names were also the same. Hmm. Which is extremely coincidental. Yes. However, Gary's wife Trudy Cooper supposedly died in 1994, whereas um, Trudy Cooper from Outback Steakhouse appeared in photographs for Outback Steakhouse in 2013. And so that this doesn't prove anything beyond the fact that there is something mysterious going on here, probably. <laughs> it's just high strangeness. But, it's a state of high strangeness. Yes, it's a like it's a it's a high level of peculiarity. But what's interesting is that every reference you see to Trudy Cooper connects these two people as being the same person. Just some of those recognize that she died in 94. And then some year. see them in 2013. And, but there's a chance it's the same person. Yes. And so, I don't know how as much that connects to the Illuminati theory, but it connects in the idea that there is a mysticism around these people who started this Blooming Onion business. Um, but the main reason I picked this article as opposed to other articles talking about Trudy Cooper is real quick, they had the best possible quote with the best possible comment. The quote is, you don't just get a 10-ounce steak for $12 without at least a little help from the devil. <laughs> and then somebody commented four words, and it's incredible, and it just says, down under indeed, Outback. <laughs> but yeah, so... You... I. The pieces on this one aren't exactly as connected as other places, as other theories have been, right? Hmm. But I do think that there is some sort of mysticism here behind this this steakhouse that is not exactly fitting into place. And I think the Illuminati could be connected easily, but I think that that's partially just uh, like we're fitting this small peg in a giant hole. Yes, where there exactly. might be might be a more apt hole somewhere else. Right. Because the criteria is so vast that you can make about anything fit. And like we've said before, that's kind of why the, the legend of the Illuminati is so widespread, is because it's a one-size-fits-all. And I think at some point you and I should do an, a deeper dive into the actual Illuminati themselves and figure out what's going on. I agree. I want to know what happened to the original group and how they dissolved. Like, why is it not still a group that's known to be about women's rights and the demystification of the government? Like, that's clearly not around anymore. So where did they go? Well, yeah, so I'm interested in that as well. But for today, we're talking about Blooming onions. Yes, that's fine with me. So beyond the fact that this organization has a weird founder story and has weirdly specific uh, like layouts for their restaurant mapping, is there anything else that's weird about them? Hmm, I'm just supposed to be able to pick something up from what we've talked about or just in my experience there? Just in your experience there. Outback operates in this weird part of my brain when someone asks, where do you want to go eat dinner? And I'm trying to list off something. I will never think of Outback Steakhouse. It's delicious. 
but I never I never remember that we even have it. So it almost occupies a a, a place in my subconscious. So maybe that's why it's also kind of got that mystical air to it. And I think so I hadn't thought of this before, but I think that's one thing about it that just makes me carry this mysticism so seriously is that I really don't think about Outback very often. <laughs> was that is that what you were getting at? Is that what you wanted me to say? I mean, if it was, that would have been incredible. But what I really like, I can, can compare it to places like Wiener Schnitzel. Mm. Like you don't ever think about Wiener Schnitzel unless you're driving past one, right? Yeah, they exist in perpetuity. You assume. Have you ever heard anybody bring up a time when they thought or when they ate at Wiener Schnitzel? I don't know or anyone who's ever been there. Or if you have ever talked with anybody and you're trying to figure out a meal and somebody's like, why don't we, why don't we go get some wieners from uh, wieners? That is the prime quality of a business that is a front. It's just yeah. quiet. It sits in the background. No one really thinks about it, but you assume, eh, you know, it's there. Yeah, I mean, it is. I've watched Breaking Bad twice through now. It is without a doubt a money laundering business. Yeah, well, no, that's, I, not, that's not what we're talking about. That's absolutely the case. But I, so I, I kind of imagine Outback Steakhouse could be something like that. I think there are more, I don't, that's a complete guess. I would imagine there are more Outback Steakhouses than Wiener Schnitzels, just because I think about them more often. But I think there could be something big that they're hiding. And a big part of me likes knowing, not knowing what it is, but knowing now that every time I see an Outback Steakhouse, I can think, you got something I don't know about. <laughs> And so that's the only reason I brought this theory. Well, there was the sudden suspicion of Mattress Firm because Mattress firms started popping up. There are so many Mattress Firms in the United States of America. It's like when you hear a new word, like you learn a new word and then you start listening for it. You, see, you hear it everywhere or you, you learn the name of a car and then you start seeing it everywhere. That's Mattress Firm. And this has been covered on YouTube pretty extensively, so I won't go too far into it. But once you start looking for mattress firm, you'll realize that you are surrounded at all times by a mattress firm. And that is the perfect front because it's hiding in plain sight. It's so goddamn boring that you just completely, like, your brain doesn't have the ability to process all the information around you because that would be sensory overload. So you just notice things that are actually, that pertain to you and are important to your continued survival. Nothing is less relevant to my continued survival than a small mattress store chain there are probably dozens in waco texas that i haven't even noticed until you start looking for them and they're everywhere you look outback steakhouse is that for restaurants you never think about going there you never really want to eat there even though it's pretty good and when, once you keep an eye out you're surrounded by outbacks I, I always imagine it in the same kind of category as like Chili's, but I love going to Chili's. Yeah, no, Chili's is and great. I, rec I recommend Chili's to people, whereas I never think, you know what I'm in the mood for right now? Go for two Thursdays, a pint of blooming blonde ale and bloom petals or small coconut shrimp from Outback Steakhouse. <laughs> no, they're doing the Lord's work over there at Chili's. Yeah. Um, but yeah, do we want to head somewhere where we know for sure there's probably not an Outback Steakhouse or a mattress firm? Well, we could, we could, uh, go to the debunk town, but 
I'm not really feeling the bunk town today, so why don't you... I got my snowboard right here. I hope you can got your skis. We're going to hit the snopes. All right. So... I, uh... <laughs> I like this news... I like this new segment. <laughs> Snopes.com is a great website. In fact, they do a lot of the work. They, they would make our job too easy, so much so that I normally avoid them. But sometimes there's a story that's just too juicy, much like a 10-ounce steak from Outback Steakhouse. So a man was freed after outliving a 99-year prison sentence for horse theft. Okay. <laughs> and the fact that it's on Snopes doesn't necessarily mean that it's incorrect they just te- they just check the facts so this is actually this actually happened in texas a nine uh henry william Bourne. he was arrested by the texas rangers in 1919 for being a part of a horse stealing ring so this was something that was going on frequently and in the 1919s Stealing a horse was a pretty big deal because that was still a major form of like transportation in Texas. And horses don't come cheap, my man. So you could be put away for a long time for horse theft. He was sentenced to 99 years. That's a that's essentially a life sentence, but he outlived it and was released in July 2018. This is the first instance of someone outliving a 99-year sentence, unsurprisingly. When he was released, he was a hundred and seventeen years old. So that right there is how you know this is just a, a crock of shit. Because if he was, that's the news. If there's a hundred and seventeen year old man that's still alive in prison, that's the news. Him getting released is not the news. So this comes with photos of uh, Henry's father, Henry Bourne Jr who was hanged in Fort Worth alongside one of their accomplices, Mark Thompson, March 16th, 1920. And it's an old-timey black-and-white photo of a bunch of Texans standing around checking their watches while two guys with bags over their heads uh, asphyxiate to death, being hung from nooses. The thing, though, is that that photograph is completely unrelated to this account. It's actually a photograph uh, produced by the Brisley Drug Company in Prescott, Arizona, back in the early 1900s. This is before Garbage Pail Kids, which apparently were a controversy, but trading cards used to be all kinds of fucked up because this is a photograph that people would just trade like trading cards. It has two Mexican men who were lynched after reportedly murdering two people in a cafe, and it's titled Adios Amigos. Man. And that's what they use as the uh, to show the, just, I guess, having an old photograph lends it some credibility. And then the man who was released, good old Henry, let out from the uh, Criminal Justice Central Prison Unit in Sugarland, Texas. He has a photo of him in front of two uh, a, f- a few microphones, but uh, it's just a Shutterstock image that's been flipped, so not a lot of credibility there either. This whole thing came from the World, Na- the World News Daily Report, which is known to be a joke site, and they also claim to be a joke site. They're not really trying to fool anyone, but because, just like New York Post, they have a boring and authentic-sounding name, their stories get passed around often as real stories so this is another one this is another one that got around as real news but was intended to be more of a 
I don't know. It's not really a parody. It's it's just they're trying to go viral with these crazy stories and then basically like defending themselves by being like, oh, it's just a parody. It's just a joke. I think that might be my favorite genre of news. The kind of news, I mean, like, I understand news isn't for the purpose of entertainment, uh, for the most part. I guess it kind of is. But I, one thing I love is that when news articles are so close to realistic that people genuinely think they're real. Right. This really hits that that sweet spot where it's crazy enough to be true. Like, you know my favorite website is ClickHole, and my favorite thing is seeing people that I know on Facebook taking the onion or click hole and making that article or claiming that that article is real. Yes. And uh, the onion and click hole, while they get some, they get a lot of publicity through exactly that. They're a little more obvious that it's a joke because they're hilarious. World daily news is, or world news daily report completely thrives off the misinformation and, grandparents sharing their stories on facebook but to me what's most interesting is just the idea of outliving a life sentence not even specifically that he was 117 years old because what the hell is a life sentence if you can outlive it this is something that i didn't understand young asher especially was why in movies you could have multiple life sentences because i thought that a life sentence means you just stay there until you die so is that what multiple life sentences is? Is that like in case you actually make it out after 99 years? Well, a life sentence isn't exactly 99 years. And that's the thing. In some jurisdictions, a life sentence is a misnomer because the defendant may be eligible for parole after any number of years, uh, like 25, whatever the judge decides. But even where the sentence is life without the possibility of a parole, consecutive life sentences may serve a practical purpose. Yeah. So more years than life, even when the penalty isn't quote-unquote life, the punishment for a defendant can be a number of years that exceed the human lifespan. So if there's a case involving uh, charges of failing to register as a sex offender and sexual contact with minors— Man, really great example here, really keeping the mood light. A defendant received the following consecutive prison terms, 15 years for each of the nine accounts and 10 years for each of the two accounts. That totals to 155 years. So if the defendant is on trial for two murders, the jury convicts him of both, and the judge sentences him to two consecutive life sentences. But he appeals the convictions, and the court overturns one because the prosecution didn't comply with discovery obligations. So that takes one of the life sentences off the books, but the defendant can, uh, but the defendant still has another life sentence to serve. So that's basically in the situation where you have someone who's being tried for multiple atrocities. You you layer on multiple life sentences so that you know at least one of them gets them, just in case that one of the the uh, convictions falls through. You have another one to back up. But the length of a life sentence, if I'm not mistaken, isn't actually until you die. I think it is a set number of years. So I think it is possible to outlive a life sentence. So all this to prove that it is possible to outlive a life sentence, but not Henry William Bourne, a fictional man who did not be re- get released at the age of 117. If it means anything, I would still watch a movie about him. Oh, me too. 
so we hit the bottom of the slope, the Snope Slope. We've been going downhill this entire time, shredding the shredding the gnar. I did I did a sweet flip. I saw you do a sweet like shimmy. We're very good at this. But now it's time to stop showing off on the slopes. And time to thank Glenmerle for our theme song, Threadbare. Off the album Burden of Proof, you can check it out at glenmerlemusic.com or Spotify and iTunes. And uh, if you want to follow us on social media, we are Strictly Confidential Show on Instagram, S Confident Show on Twitter. And if you uh, like what you heard here, um, leave us a review. That is awesome. It helps us so much. And subscribe to our show. And then if you really like what you heard here, or even mediocre like what you heard here, Tell your best friend to listen to it. Getting your best friend on board is the most we could ask for. You guys have the same taste, so maybe they would enjoy this show too. And that's all we ask. And then uh, if you have anything you want us to talk about specifically, because we can do a decent amount of research on our own, but there's some stuff we might not know about, uh, shoot us an email at strictlyconfidentialshow at gmail.com. We love doing interviews. You like being interviewed. Come on the show. Tell us what you know. Uh, Yeah. Well, I think that's all I got. Tell them what they need to do, Jackson. As always, keep it blooming. Ha 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 ha!